Hi, all Cinema Drip listeners. I want to thank you all for your patience as we finally managed to catch up to the number of episodes that we have recorded and produced. Uh, a lot of just life unexpected things have occurred. That being said, we are back and hoping to get much more into the schedule that we had before. Thank you all for your support. Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Drip Podcast, the podcast where we need movies like we need our coffee. As always, I am Scott Lentz, here with my good friend and co-host, Christian Ubius. And Christian, you're making a face at me. Should I be concerned? No. Okay. Not very convincing. (laughs) But I'm going to keep on rolling. Because I trust you. And we are here to wrap up our Violet Davis blend of the month. And I'm really curious to get into this episode, Christian, partially because we get to talk about her new release that is crushing the box office right now, The Woman King. But we also get to talk about our top five favorite performances of hers. So we'll get to talk about some of the other movies we watched outside of this marathon, some of our favorites maybe, you know pre-existent to this particular blend of the month but of course it was your turn to tie, you know to pull things together for a month so how do you feel about it your your curation for this month i feel excited for the opportunities that Layla davis has now been given and for the movies we get to see from her in the future uh that that that's where my mind is yes so I, I, I also like all three of the movies that we saw. Oh, for sure. This is a really, really good blend. And I am really glad to have finally seen Widows, as obviously any Steve McQueen movie is at least worth watching, but usually pretty high quality as well. I hadn't seen Doubt in a long time, and it wasn't let down in the slightest. And Fences, another one that I had been wanting to see, because of course it was part of the Oscars conversation that year. And again, Denzel Washington... Always turns in quality work, uh, even if it's, it's it's at least watchable. And so to see him and Viola Davis go toe to toe, obviously, was was well worth a watch. So definitely a good blend this month so far. I gotta ask, how how are you feeling going into the Woman King? Because I, I'm sure you know we'll provide some of the background details and uh, give our review to it, of course. But how are you feeling going into it? Because I have to be honest, it's a movie that kind of snuck up on me. I wasn't really anticipating it. I didn't know that it was coming out until maybe a month or so before its release, and I started to get really excited for it once I saw the trailers, and of course we had this whole blend of the month centered around our excitement for it, so what were your feelings going into the movie? So I don't know. I don't even know how excited I was for it. I'm not going to lie. I was excited to see Viola Davis. I don't know if I was excited for the movie. And legitimately, I wanted to see the movie because I wanted to see what she would do as an action actress at this point in time now um going into the movie i had very i had a very open mind let's just say that i didn't know what to expect i knew that it was going to be a historical action thriller led thing and uh, there were i was i was very pleasantly surprised by what happened yeah i mean i Safe to say, like expectations for me, although they were pretty fresh <laughs> when we were going to see it, were met for me as well. So I'm looking forward to getting into it. So the Woman King is <laughs> the latest film from Gina Prince Bythewood. I who... accidentally Googled The Woman Knight. That's not <laughs> what we want. Similar theme, perhaps, a female warrior of sorts, but of course, The Woman King, newest film from Gina Prince Bythewood, written by Dan Stevens. 
and it follows the Agogie, the all-female warrior unit that protected the West African Kingdom of Dahomey, which is part of modern-day Benin. And it was uh, the movie takes place in the 1820s, so at a very interesting time in history, of course, not just for Africa but before the world. And Viola Davis plays Naniska, who is the general leading the unit. So I have a question for you. This is a black female-led action film. It sure is. And that that's amazing. Yes. I do wonder, is it reductive to just say that it's a black female-led action film? It's much more than that. It is much more than that. I, f- I, I feel like there are some reviews who are only focusing on that. I'm... And to some extent, you understand why. Because, yes. of course, this type of you know big historical epic is a very, very familiar type of movie. We have all kinds of, of stories already told in the genre. We have Best Picture winners like Gladiator, Gladiator and, and other well movies. Ben-Hur, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and so, in, in some respect, it's exciting to see a movie of this scale get to be directed by a black woman and be fronted by almost an entirely black female cast. Of course, there are some others here. John Boyega plays a supporting part. There are a few other uh, non-black characters as well. It's, of course, fitting into the historical context of what's happening in Africa at the time. But, yeah, yeah it's, I mean... Portuguese dude sucked. Yeah, he, he, he sure did. He sure did. And so on the one hand, it is exciting to me. There, there's a, a reason to be excited about the fact that this is a an action movie of this style being led primarily by black women. And, and yet it also is more than that. And it's, it's not just a, a movie where you say kind of yay for representation. It's actually, it, you know, of course, Lashana Lynch, Thuso Mbedu and Viola Davis are giving in some of the best performances I have seen this entire year. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it's an incredibly strong cast here from the veterans like Viola Davis to some of the newcomers. Also the like production design is phenomenal the the way that they were able to construct this kingdom, that just the the beauty and how open skilled it is. Also, this film looked gorgeous. The cinematography was wonderful. Oh, I, I mean, hundred percent in agreement with you there. To the point where, I, I, of course, there are there were visual effects used. Very few large blockbuster movies these days are coming out without any CGI or any VFX. But it's not really obvious or blatant when they're incorporating these kinds of effects. So many of, I mean, these costumes are incredible. So many of these sets are beautiful, too, really recreating this historical kingdom in great detail. And, again, whatever CGI they're using blends in, and it's pretty hidden. And so it has that feeling, too, that sort of tactile feeling you want from a historical film like this, where so often the best movies that are recreating the past are the ones that genuinely make an attempt at recreating the past and put money into the costumes and the sets and uh, of course that even just the travel to go shoot on location wherever they were shooting this uh, I'm, I'm looking it up right now so we can see if we can shout out the actual physical um, places they went to so i i i also want to say the action in this movie is so gritty it's wonderful there's this one part where lashana lynch um I don't know how, but she manages to grapple a man to the floor, grabs her nails, and then sticks them into his head. So good. Makes me sad that this movie's rated PG-13, because it would have been kind of satisfying to see that in in full effect. But, yeah, I mean, some very, very cool moments. And really well-constructed action sequences and and, and scenes as well. 
Um, I, I did look it up. Shot in South Africa. So that's where uh, much of the production lasted. Really taking advantage of some of these wide open spaces, too, just to set up these big battles between opposing forces, the, the Agogia and the other kingdoms or slavers that they are go coming up against in battle. It's just, yeah, some really satisfying moments there. Uh, one in particular for me, I uh, am kicking myself because um, I'm trying to find the best way to describe it, but essentially the front lines of warriors get down on their knees and they have some, some guns that they have acquired from their trade with other nations. And they launch that first barrage of bullets while some others come up behind them and then leap off their backs to come get whoever the, the musketeers missed. Come and just swords a swing. It, it's one of those moments where you're just like, yes, <laughs> you're going to these types of movies to see. I, I, I only have one complaint, and I do want to mention it, though. Movie felt like 20 minutes too long. Interesting. Yes. That's too long. I, I did, I think that there were some moments, specifically dealing with the politics of John Boyega's character, and who he was going to choose to be the titular woman king, and how he was going to go about that, and, and, and the trade, and how, um, so the, the big thing that this movie does confront is that this kingdom was part of the one that for its own survival gave some of its captured subjects over and sold them over to slavery. Right. There are, there are characters in the movie you mentioned. Uh, Hero Finds Tiffin plays a Portuguese slaver who also brings a half-Dahomean man with him, a man who's was born in Portugal, but his mother was captured from the kingdom. So he's got a complicated life story that he's, he's trying to hash out while in the kingdom as well. So, yes, very much addressing this, this um, addressing slavery head-on. But I, I felt as though some of the some of the politics in those conversations dragged on a little bit more, whereas I wanted to be to have much more focus on the relationships between between the the warriors and the battle sequences themselves. Right, I, I, I agree with that in in some ways. In that I kind of wish this movie was not maybe not twenty minutes, but even ten minutes longer, just because with these types of epics like okay. you're, you're going for, sometimes you want that length and. I would agree that there's some misspent minutes, and, and I would actually say it's part of the romantic subplot that gets introduced that feels a little yeah, unnecessary. We don't, we didn't need that. We didn't need that at all. And and the way that they wrap that up felt a little predestined, like I knew exactly where it was going, and I think we would have been better without it. And uh, what's exciting is seeing the relationship that forms between Naui, who is the the youngest, one of the youngest um, women introduced to this unit. And her relationship to Naniska. Now we a breakout performance by Tuso Mbedu, who uh, had a role in Underground Railroad, which is Barry Jenkins' project for um, Amazon Prime last year, but has not been in too much else, to the best of my knowledge. And they have a, a really fascinating dynamic that forms as we learn more of Naui's history. And it just made me wish that we had a stronger connection to some of the other supporting characters who are a part of the Agogia, because... We have Izogi, who's uh, played by Lashana Lynch, who you mentioned. There's another played by Sheila Atim, who some people may recognize from uh, being in, I think it's Multiverse of Madness, that Doctor yes. Strange movie. Uh, she's great. as Both her of, and Lashana Lynch were in Multiverse of Madness. There you go. She's great as one of Naniska's advisors and fellow warriors, of course. But there's also there's a, a wide supporting cast that I wish we had more time with. And, and really, just because all of the actors here are great. 
and it, it gives more stakes to some of these action sequences as we do unfortunately lose some of our agogia of course in these battles and you know you feel a little a tug on your heartstrings when some of these brave warriors are killed and I wish that we just got to know more of them and had more time spent with them. And not that they skimp on it, but I would have rather devoted screen time away from this romantic subplot that doesn't totally work into the time of, you know, spent training or spent bonding for these warriors. Now, should we... Okay, The Woman King is on my list. Is The Woman King on your list? The Woman King is on my list. Should we use this to segue into our list? We should, Christian. All I right. think we should. <laughs> Now, let me let me start, and let me give my number five, or should we just say where the Woman King is on our list? Ooh, I like it. <laughs> Let, let's see. Go ahead, Christian. Where does the Woman King stand on your list? The Woman King is number four. The Woman King is number four for me as well. Okay. How exciting. All right. Interesting. <laughs> All right. So, the Woman King has an amazing action and just solitude so viola davis has always been great at keeping her well honestly she has masterful control of what her face can do with emotions and when she says something her voice commands it when she doesn't her face expresses it now in this is a character that doesn't speak as much as some of her other characters have and yet the intensity within her eyes and she's always been great at showing exhaustion Especially with the trauma that this this character has undergone in order to be in the position they are now. That is what I admired about it. And also, man, she can she she was a threatening presence in this movie, and it was wonderful to see. Yeah, she I mean Viola Davis, as we've seen in some of her more recent performances, wields authority very, very well on screen and She's very versatile as an actor, of course, and she can play vulnerable, but Naniska being not just a warrior, but the, the general of this intense unit of female warriors, she has to, uh, of course, bring this commanding presence to some of these scenes, and you, you feel it from the audience in the theater. You're like, man, I don't want to cross Naniska. <laughs> like, she'll kick me out of the unit, man. Uh, although I, as, as a, a white guy in 2022, would have um, very little in common with female African warriors of the 1820s. But even so, uh, of course, all that to say... That's because you're not trying. It's <laughs> uh, true. I'll, I'll book my plane tickets to Benin now and see if I can find the remaining Agoje. All right. Number five. Let me get my number five. All right, Christian. Far away. Amanda Waller from the suicide squad okay. <laughs> is amanda waller on your list i really really debated on if i wanted amanda <laughs> waller to make my list and i will explain my reasons why but i, I do have the suicide squads lumped into my honorable mentions okay Since she's actually on your list why don't you go ahead and explain why she made the list okay amanda waller is the true villain of the suicide squad movies one and two. Now, I chose The Suicide Squad because it's the better movie. By far, yes. <laughs> By, like, a lot, yes. And also because I think that um, there's less Viola Davis in the second movie. But I think she's used, at times, to even greater effect. In how she's no-nonsense and expects everyone to go alongside her commands. And then erupts in a fury in a quick, I don't know, two minute, she is yelling into the radio when they do not follow her directions. And it is fan-freaking-tastic to see 
it all build up to this small two-minute eruption. Yes, it is. And, and I will say, she really brings it in these movies. And in a movie that, frankly, to get her involved probably was a bit of a paycheck job, she does not give a paycheck job performance. No, she, she does not! I mean, in watching some of the movies that I watched of hers, even when she's playing a small part, she brings her A-game. And that's one of, I think, her defining characteristics as an actor is that she never really phones it in. She takes everything seriously and really believes in her craft. And even for bad movies, she can elevate the scenes yeah. that she's in or she can elevate the movies with her performance. And I think the original Suicide Squad is a bad movie that she elevates a bit by her performance. And The Suicide Squad, although she has less screen time, she still fits in as a great part of the ensemble. That's part of why I was torn because Suicide Squad, worst movie, more Amanda Waller. The Suicide Squad, better movie, less Amanda Waller. So I was torn, and I just lumped them into my honorable mentions, but absolutely a shining example of what Viola Davis can do as an actor just in terms of elevating lesser movies. Excited to see her in Songbird, uh, what was it, the, the, the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Yes, the Hunger Games prequel that I sure did not read because I was... I had aged out of interest in the Hunger Games, but... But she's the villain, and she she has very notable performances another one comes to mind where she is like the villain the the that or anti-hero yeah-esque and she crushes it because she also makes that character at times likable but but not likable the way that you would like a regular anti-hero more so she does a really good job manipulating <laughs> and you can't help but as an audience member be like oh wow this is a great movie yeah uh, 100% agree there and Obviously, you know, it might be weird to see The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes without having any interest in the actual book that it's based on. And I, you're really, gonna, you'll see it. But I'll see it probably because she's in it, if nothing else. There's some other exciting people attached to it. I literally, I cannot remember who. I just remember seeing like Deadline articles and being and saying, "Hey, cool, they're in the, you know." So let's yes. move on to your number five. We'll move on to my number five now. A movie that is actually already released, not long and waiting to to come to us, but. My number five is Doubt. Does Doubt appear on your list, Christian? That is not on my list. I chose Doubt because, obviously, a movie that we covered on the show and had a lot of nice things to say about, but Viola Davis really leaves uh, leaves a mark on that movie in her very, very limited screen time. Her colleagues noticed and nominated her for an Academy Award for the very first time for her performance in the movie, and really, she ties that incredible ensemble together and obviously it's a good part in in that you really get to touch some of those deep wells of sadness that a mother in her position would feel but viola davis just brings something extraordinary to it and it makes me so excited to see that she got a nomination with such little screen time and it was the the start of her long and successful career in film obviously she had already had success on stage and would continue to have more success on stage. Had been in movies before Doubt, but it was really her big breakthrough to the mainstream as a major Hollywood player. So wanted yeah. to include it as just an example of her great success in a small part. I love her in this movie. I will say it's so chock full of amazing performances by the entire cast. And I like Meryl Streep more than I like Viola Davis in this movie. I think that's why. Because normal, it's it's very odd for me to not think she's the best part of the film. 
Yeah, it's a screen time problem. It's probably really. a screen time problem, yeah. And, and as I was building my list, I was looking at the individual performances. So yeah. if we were to rank top five movies that Viola Davis has appeared in, my list would be ordered differently, would look different. But First Suicide Squad, number two. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> only, only after Bond the Suicide Squad, Suicide Squad. <laughs> Yeah, so I was trying to zone in on just her performances, and even in a small part, obviously. And I, I mean, I guess not a small part, but in a uh, part with very few lines, you can still make a huge impact. And so, although, yeah, I, she's not my favorite performance in that movie, she's still, it's still one of my favorite performances of hers that I've seen. You know, there was, I was doing research for this, and so I watched State of Play. Have you ever seen State of Play? So, believe it or not, I watched State of Play way back when. Probably when my parents had Netflix, like, the mailing a disc to you, Netflix. Sure, sure. And I either saw it like that or literally rented it from a video store, which for our Gen Z listeners out there, you had to go to a physical place and rent movies. Bro, you know that you're, like, Gen Z, right? Like, you're, you're like, borderline. I am a millennial. I identify sure. very strongly with the millennial generation. Sure. I, I, mostly because Gen Z won't have me. Like, uh. I, I get told very often by my younger siblings that I do not get to be part of their generation. So I've I've accepted it. I'm a millennial. My, my favorite is when my sisters say, like, because I don't really like social media a ton. My sister's like, but you don't get it. People of my generation use it. And I go, you understand we're of the same <laughs> generation right <laughs> anyway but i watched state of play because someone listed it as the eighth best viola davis performance and she's in it for like four minutes maybe less and i go huh <laughs> i mean she's great in those four minutes as a doctor i was that that just to say that um research for this was interesting yeah but research I'm, is interesting uh my number three viola davis performance ma rainey's black bottom that's actually my number one interesting yes. okay so okay. on the, it's, you you brought it up first, so I, I turn to you, my friend. Go mm-hmm. ahead, speak on it. Well, I, I I I'll reserve some of my thoughts for when you talk about it. I'll just briefly say, Ma Rainey is not a nice person in this movie. No, no, she is not. And you can very much say that her character is purposefully unlikable. And yet, the the extent to which Viola Davis has fun with that and just tortures the people around her and demands them to just submit to her will because she knows that they will do that because they want her voice to sell is so fun to see. So fun to see. And, I mean, we can just talk about it now. We don't really need to wait until we get to my number one. She really embodies this tricky place as a person to live in and as an actor to try to capture but ma rainey occupies this very very i guess tenuous space if i can use an act word where (laughs) she has she is of course a, a black woman in the early 20th century who of course is discriminated against is looked down upon if somebody were to stumble into her and not know who she was could could easily uh, of course, assume that they're the better person just because they're white, and not knowing that she's this massive star. And yet, despite the place where black people are located at this time in history, she also has power, like you're saying. She yeah. has the ability to show up late to these recording sessions. To, to voiced, walk out of them. To walk out of them in protest. To voice her stuttering nephew onto a portion of the album where he must speak a monologue. Um, and... and she really understands how to play that as an actor. This very, very easy to lose space of having power, but being close to losing it. Yeah. And so wielding that power 
not necessarily with impunity, but with a, a kind of wisdom. And aside from the fact that, I mean, I think she kind of got robbed of the Oscar that year because she's so good. And I was looking back at the list and I think I do like her better than the other performers that year. She also gets to go toe-to-toe in this movie with Chadwick Boseman and, and his one of yeah. his final performances that we unfortunately got due to his tragic death. And it's some uh, of his We were blessed to have both of them in the same movie. We really were. I mean, we were bl- I mean, just a great great performance from him and as they get to go toe-to-toe throughout the movie, just absolute fireworks coming off the screen. I watched this movie on my phone while on a plane. <laughs> it still stands out as one of my favorite movies of hers and and my favorite performance of hers, frankly. It's one yeah. that I do, I hope to watch again at some point and just as I was putting my list together, even with some of the movies that we watched this month that constitute some of her best performances, in my opinion, I just could not deny Ma Rainey. So had to include her at number one. A, another August Wilson play adapted yes. for the screen, much like Fences, which we covered earlier this month. That also is my number three. Fences? Yes. Okay, so Fences is is, is my number one. There you go. We, we swapped August Wilson play adaptations. Then we have to have the same number two. Uh, perhaps we do, but well, before we get there, yeah. on Fences, of course, we went into depth in her performance earlier this month, but uh, again, playing, uh, uh, again, a sad part in some respects, uh, Rose Maxson, who is the conventional, traditional wife kept under the thumb of Troy, who starts to get out from under his control as the movie goes on, in very heartbreaking fashion as well. Uh, Viola Davis is a great on-screen crier, <laughs> like you're saying. She is absolutely extraordinary using her face to communicate without words. <laughs> she has some great cries in most of these movies, but in Fences, maybe the most effective, as she gives her uh, one of her big monologues near the end of the movie to Troy. And just, uh, again, a moving performance, too, and playing such a, a warm and yep. loving person. Uh, unlike some of these other characters that we've talked about, Ma Rainey, obviously a very complex and difficult person, not nice, but kind of earned the right not to be nice. And Doubt, a very short scene, assumingly that she's a nice person, but a complicated person as well. The Woman King, a warrior, not that she can't be kind, but a brave action hero. I mean, this is a very different type of performance from some of these others that we've listed. She is very versatile and playing both cruel and very kind. The, the the reason this is my number one, and I, I, I said this before, it was nice to see a movie where she could smile and laugh. Yes, so, so true. And and it's it's like, I mean, I, I sure, I love the tragic hero, I love the villain, but in, in she embodied joy so easily. And, and, and the desire to live it through, the desire to say that joy was a choice for her, that her life was not easy, but she was able to choose how to move forward in that and and you you can't get that people can't normally fake that level of happiness or 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 that label of excitement and and it never felt fake from her it felt as though when she said she was happy when she wanted her husband back she actually meant it so yes i'm i i i loved watching it a well-deserved oscar win for her that yes. year and i only wish that she would have gotten that leading role oscar as well in uh, in 2021 but i'm sure she has another oscar in her at some point she is that gifted an actor of course and, and even in such a short time which 
well, maybe we'll get to it in a minute. She has brought <laughs> brought herself a lot of Oscar attention. So, Christian, you suggested we had the same number two. Is your number two Widows? My number two is Widows. As as is mine. The final movie that we watched for this blend of the month. Uh, another multifaceted performance from Viola Davis, and one where she gets to flash some action chops a little yeah. bit, but continues to uh, display that range of uh, vulnerability versus authority that she is so gifted at portraying. Well, she's so smart in this movie. Like, this is the one where where it's like a cat that's been cornered. That's where That's the position that her character finds herself in. Her husband has just died. She has had a... A rough history. Yo, in these movies, her characters normally had a traumatic past. Oh, just Viola just Davis characters. Left and right. Yeah, n- not usually just happy ladies living a good life. No, it's always some crappy situation they find themselves in. Oh my goodness. Anyway, so her husband's just died. Tragic past. And yet she uses that to kick herself into high gear. So this is this seems to be like the, the a through line for most of her characters. Tragedy strikes, and so she uses that to either seek joy, or seek evil, or <laughs> seek... Some complicated mix of the two. Some complicated mix of the two, yes. And, and how she is the ringleader in this heist is... is Again, what, what was it that we said? Those popcorn thrills. Getting the gang together, going through the schematics, assigning everyone their role dog in hand throughout it all indeed that that dog olivia also in game night which just an a stellar year for that dog 2018 was that's our list that is so let's let's go ahead and recount these christian mine number five was doubt number four the woman king number three fences number two widows and number one ma rainey's black bottom so my number five was the suicide squad my number four was the woman king my number three was ma rainey's black bottom my number two is Widows, and my number one was Fences. We have four movies as overlap, two in the same place. That we do. Uh, did you have any honorable mentions that you wanted to mention quickly? I mean, Doubt. That's fair. I mean, I had the Suicide Squads. I, I, anything else that we have not already discussed. Okay. All right, look. Um, I like her in The Help. And and it is a mo- Did you watch it? I did. I finally caught up with it. Notably, the only film where she received an Oscar nomination that did not make either one of our lists. She has disowned the movie. She has, yes. And, and it it is a it, it's a movie that seeks to like give black characters representation while centering itself on its white character, which is why she has disowned it, and that's a good reason for it. I I I don't hate the movie. I I don't. And I think that if someone looks at that movie and takes it as like a reason for them to go and find out more about the made system in the South in that period in time, pre and during the, um, the civil rights movement, I, I don't hate that some people have done that. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a movie that, the, that Hollywood has made a lot. Uh, obviously, civil rights stories that are in some respects more about the white characters than the yeah. black characters where the black characters unfortunately are are used as props or or killed or killed in order yes. for the white character to succeed yes and viola davis uh, acts along octavia spencer who won her oscar for this movie uh and, and they get some more they do get some more agency than than just being used as props but it is unfortunate that they are really cast as 
part of the development uh, of the Emma Stone Emma character. Stone's character yeah. who who's like she kind of gets to play the trope of the one good white person, which yeah. a lot of these movies have. And there were some moments just late in the film, you know, some changing sympathies and opinions from some of the white characters that just feel a little feels a little yucky to watch and, and not necessarily true to that time period in history. Although absolutely there were white people who did fight for civil rights and joined that movement. We're capturing the upper crust in that society who did not do that. And so it's again, it's it's a very just well made drama with good acting performances, especially from Viola Davis, Octavia yeah. Spencer. Um, Jessica Chastain as well receiving an Oscar nomination there, who is I mean, she's delightful in, in that movie, but I, I think I think this is the best way to put this. I don't think there's anything wrong with you liking this movie. No. If this is your pinnacle for how to view the civil rights movement, that's bad. Yes. Look for more things. Yes. Do do engage some other other movies, some other sources. And again, even even though Viola Davis herself has disowned the movie, she gave great work. Like she turned yeah. in a really really good performance. Um, and it's one that I did catch up with, didn't make my list, but I'm glad to have finally seen it and be a little more familiar with it. As as obviously, it had a pretty big place in culture for a while. It was a very well loved movie. Do you do you have any other honorable mentions? So I try to catch up with my fair share of Viola Davis movies. Really looking at a lot of her supporting parts because that is what's available on streaming services and unfortunately has just been the predominant portion of her career where she was stuck in bit parts in Hollywood for a while, played supporting roles most often, and of course breaking through with Doubt, which was that, I forget the year already, was it... 2008? I think it's 2008. Uh, And of course, finally getting to play some leading roles going into the 2010s. The help, she was nominated in the leading actress category. And uh, so I was just kind of watching what was out there. Apparently she's going to be in Black Adam. Yeah, Amanda Waller. Apparently, yeah, yeah, I did not know that. She popped up in a trailer, one of the trailers that I saw more recently. But I was really just trying to watch some of these movies, and unfortunately, most of them are like not great. <laughs> like the or Ender's they Games. Have her and... for three minutes. Yeah, yeah. Law Abiding Citizen. You watched Law Abiding Citizen, Christian? I think years ago. <laughs> Cannot recommend it as anything more than a ridiculous, ridiculous movie. But State of Play apparently has the eighth best ma- like um, Viola Davis performance with four minutes. There you go. You want to know the most ridiculous movie that I watched for this? Please episode? tell me. I watched a little movie called Lila and Eve. Yes. With did you, Jennifer Lopez. With J-Lo. Did, yes. did you watch this movie, Christian? Yes. It was part of my research. <laughs> this movie, friends, listeners at home, is literally a Lifetime movie. Yeah. Produced by Lifetime Productions yeah. and Viola Davis's production company, Juvie mm-hmm. Productions, which she owns with her husband, husband yeah. Julius Tennant, who is in Lila and Eve. Which follows a grieving mother, because Viola Davis can never be happy. <laughs> uh, a mother whose son was killed uh, in a, a gang-related shooting. And she joins a grief group, Mothers of Young Angels. And as part of that group meets Eve, played by J-Lo, who lost a daughter. And with Eve's influence, Viola Davis's character decides to take justice into her own hands. Because, of course, the police aren't, aren't doing much of anything. Amazing. And it is a movie that... And introduces an element near the end of it that I unfortunately it, it involves uh, some kind of narrative twist that I was sort of keyed into by a letterboxd review unfortunately I didn't it said there was a twist that's all, so I knew of it and it is so bad and it is it's just the icing on the cake of a very very bad screenplay the 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 writer of that movie has one screenplay to their name and it's this movie 
Of course, it's a Lifetime Productions movie, so it's not something you're expecting to be high cinema. But it's just a sterling example of a crappy movie that is absolute garbage if anybody other than Viola Davis is playing the lead role. Because, again... I didn't she, hate J-Lo either. She, yeah, J-Lo has some fun. And, I mean, Viola Davis just elevates the hell out of this movie. <laughs> like, she is so, so good as an actor. Yeah. Uh, even in her scenes with her husband, just some, some real sweet and genuine moments as their characters sort of form a relationship. Uh, just the most ridiculous movie that I did watch for this. The only movie that I threw into the honorable mention lists that was part of this research here is Troop Zero. Did you watch Troop Zero, Christian? I, I know it's a prime movie, and I know it's a comedy, but I have not seen it. Yes. Uh, so I mentioned, I think it was last week, that I wanted to see Viola Davis in a comedy because I want to see her character just have a good time on screen. And I thought that would be Troop Zero, where, unfortunately, she does have some, some hard things about her life. But it is, thankfully, mostly a happy movie. I will say, it is not a very good movie. Some people, I, I, will, I, should, I wasn't a huge fan of it. A lot of people out there have enjoyed it more. It, it's one of those movies where if it catches you at the right time, it's a little bit warm and fuzzy. And it's not very deep or sophisticated. But if you watch it at the right time, it, it could catch you and just you know, put a smile on your face. It's, it's a sweet story but viola davis i mean even in that movie i put it as an honorable mention because we finally get to see her uh in a more of a lighthearted movie telling jokes um not necessarily telling jokes <laughs> but she just has some good some good lines and again she just gets to act across from some kids and we get to see in a way a new side of her although she's played mothers plenty of times at least in the movies that i've seen with her she's not consistently acting across from child actors and Again, not only does she have these these amazing talents and skills as an actor, a ton of range, um, but but she is just a very when she needs to be a very warm and winning and genuine presence. Yeah, and her her den mother, if you will, in Troop Zero, again elevates uh, a lesser movie. So check it out; it's on Prime if you if you want to see just a Violet Davis movie. Jim Gaffigan's in it; he could give you a laugh. Maybe you're an Allison Janney fan. Who knows? All right, and 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 that wraps up the month. That it does. Now, Scott, I have no clue what you've chosen for next month. <laughs> so, trying to plan for October is really hard because there's like a, a deluge of interesting movies coming out. There are some movies that are going to be competing for Oscars, some movies that are going to make a lot of box office, some long-awaited movies from big-name directors. And of course, October is Spooky Movie Month. It's time to talk horror movies. And I know for me, I'm not a huge horror movie person. And October is really the only time of the year that I feel like I want to watch horror movies. Amazing. So I was wrestling with what to do, Christian. And here's where I landed. And I, this is one of the ideas that I did tell you. So it may not come as a surprise. But listeners at home, it's time. It's, it's Spooky Movie time. And, you know, for some of the big movies that are coming out it was hard to form kind of a blend around them that we felt like people would want to listen to so if i screwed it up let me know but for the month of october we're going to be look at some looking at some slasher classics mm. so we covered halloween last year we did as part of our horror movies and their eventual sequels looking at some classic horror with their modern remakes or sequels so halloween unfortunately has already been discussed on the show but we're going to be looking at some others friday the 13th we are going to look at Friday the 13th, and that's what's coming next week. We're going chronologically here. So, Friday the 13th was 1980, shortly after Halloween, so that's where we'll start. We're also going to look at Nightmare on Elm Street, if you want to get into that one, which was 1984, I believe. I don't like that movie. 
Oh, I can't wait to make you watch it again, Christian. I love to do it to you. And then for the third movie, we'll be looking at Scream, which was 90-something. But I've been wanting to familiarize myself with the Scream franchise for quite some time. I know people who are big fans of it. Are you? I'm a big yeah, fan Christian, of it. I've seen of it. all the Scream movies. There you go. So crossing some major horror movie blind spots off of my list, checking out some of these classics of the, the subgenre, and again, just some of simply the most iconic horror movies out there. It's October. It's time to talk horror movies. We're going to look at some of these classics here. And we'll be doing something very different for our bonus episode. I think you told me. I will go ahead and say it is not horror themed. So we'll, we'll get a balance here if you're not a horror movie person. It's a well, streaming record episode, right? You don't even say what it's yeah, a it's streaming record. Not necessarily a streaming record. Rather a, a one episode deep dive into a very particular... Ah, gotcha. And, okay. and we will, I will share more details as we get closer. I'm going to hold my cards close to the chest here cool. for, for a second. Amazing. We'll be starting with Friday the 13th. And I'm hoping that once October hits, that some streaming service snaps it up. Because it's not streaming anywhere as of now. Of course, it is widely available. It's probably at the library or whatever rental service you use. But it is easily rented online if they don't put it on a streaming service for whatever reason. But... Here's hoping it pops up. It's what we'll discuss next week. Amazing. And that's our show. And folks, that is our show. Um, just want to say a big thank you to all the listeners out there. We do apologize. This episode is coming after an unexpected one-week-long break. Had some personal life situations get in the way. So thank you kindly for your patience and understanding for an unexpected break. It does mean a lot to know that there are some wonderful Cinema Drip listeners out there who are with us through the ups and downs and listening along to these yes. episodes. Sincerely hope you enjoyed our Viola Davis Blend of the Month as much as we did. If you want to share your feedback for the show, we would greatly appreciate it. Uh, number one, please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and you can go ahead and leave us a rating or a review if your podcatcher allows. Obviously, warms our hearts to see those five-star reviews come right on in, and you can also leave us a note there. Uh, just again, helps us reach new listeners. If you want to leave some more detailed and action-oriented feedback, go ahead and send us an email at cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com. We regularly check that inbox and love to get that listener feedback. So if you feel like we missed a Viola Davis performance in our top five Viola Davis performances, or maybe you're wishing we covered a different slasher, maybe one that we are not going to be discussing this month, and maybe you want to try to influence your options here, go ahead and send us your thoughts. So We'd love to know that and want to make sure that we're discussing movies that you guys care to watch and listen to discussions on. So, cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com. Please send us your feedback. We'd greatly appreciate it. You can also follow myself and the show on Twitter, Christian on Instagram, and both of us on Letterboxd, where we are regularly rating and reviewing the things that we are watching. Christian, I watched a new movie called Athena this past weekend. It is on Netflix, and it is incredible. I would highly recommend it to any folks out there. Did you watch anything non-Viola Davis related recently? No, I don't think I have. So, uh, wow, what have I... Oh, I saw Don't Worry Darling. Oh, I, I did see Don't Worry Darling as well. It's a movie that I have unironically become a defender of. <laughs> it sounds like, Christian, you have not. <laughs> I don't think it's a movie that works. I, and... and, and... <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, I don't think it works at all. Don't worry, darling. Bonus episode coming. Just kidding. No, it's, <laughs> Just kidding. it's, it's not. <laughs> no DWD bonus there. But, uh, of course, folks, please send us your feedback. Leave us a review. Follow us on social media. We greatly appreciate it all. And we appreciate you listening enough as it is. Until next time, this has been the Cinema Drip Podcast. <laughs>